Good morning. Let us pray. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be open. Amen. Scripture lesson for today is from the book of Micah, um, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. And I'm reading from the New um, International Version. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of the, his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you haven't figured it out yet this morning, there's an incredible invitation that has been extended to each and every one of us. That invitation is to come home. It's an invitation that God was so serious about that he gave his one and only son to invite us to come home, to invite us to come home to his love. This morning, as we continue on, we're going to look at our next scripture passage. It comes from Luke's gospel, the first chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 39 through 45 this morning. And I'm going to ask that you stand for our gospel lesson. Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, beginning with 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the, Lord, the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please bow with me in prayer. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we contemplate the miraculous nature of your birth. What a blessing it was to Mary, but indeed what a blessing it was and is to all the earth. And so, Father, today as we celebrate your love for us, as we celebrate your love for us today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our lives. That, Lord, for those of us who have not yet heard or heeded that call to come home, that today would be that day where we would return to you, where we would experience the warmth of your embrace, where we would find our sins forgiven and enter into life anew in your kingdom. But, Lord, for those that have made that journey home, for those that are in that relationship with you today, we pray that today might be a day where you bring assurance. Lord, where you remind us of your love, where you just warm our hearts by the fire of your love, as John Wesley said. So Lord, may your work be accomplished in us today, that it might be accomplished through us, 
in the days to come. So now, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, that you would unclog our ears that we might hear, and that you would give us hearts that are soft, malleable, receptive to that word which you desire to speak to us this day. We ask all these things that Christ might be honored and glorified both now and forever. And again, all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. As a child, I remember, I remember looking forward to Christmas. I remember looking forward with eager anticipation to the season and to all the delights and celebrations and everything that it would hold. There was heightened hope in my heart and life of what could be or what might happen over that season of the year. There were many years that my hopes, my anticipations, and my longings, they focused on a particular gift around Christmas time. Legos. Legos, lots and lots of Legos. Legos of various colors, shapes, and sizes. For years, I dreamed and had hopes and aspirations to have those. I looked forward to having Legos so that I could construct and build and allow my imagination just to run wild in the months that followed. A Game Boy, I remember as I shared last week that there was a year that I wanted a Game Boy and I looked at each package with eager anticipation wondering if that might be the Game Boy that I had hoped for. And then it was an Erector set. I wanted to build, I wanted to construct, I wanted to erect the things of my dreams. And then as I got older, it was a new pair of soccer cleats that I envisioned. And along those lines, there were many years and many hopes and dreams, desires and anticipations that had to deal with snow for Christmas. Snowfalls of the sort where we could go sled riding where we could have snowball fights, crafting those snowballs in our hands and just whipping them at one another in the yard. Dreams of so much snow that school would be canceled for a couple more days and we'd have a longer Christmas vacation. Were those selfish dreams? Well, quite possibly they were. Were they self-centered hopes and aspirations? Probably. Was I self-indulgent in what I dreamed and in the things that I anticipated, most assuredly. Yet as a kid growing up, there was something wonderful, something utterly magic, something downright life-changing about hearing that news report when it came across the television that there was going to be a winter storm and everything was going to shut down. Knowing that school would close, knowing that my dad wouldn't have to go to work, we began to make the necessary preparations. We'd make sure that we had all the fuel for the tractor so that we could plow our driveway. We made sure that we had enough ash or kitty litter or something that could give us traction as we might have to go out in case of an emergency. And like everyone in our small town, we'd go to the grocery store and we'd stock up trying to beat our neighbors to get the essential things in life, the toilet paper, the milk, the eggs, the bread. Those things that we always needed to have but we never seemed to use. And so we'd make French toast later on. Bring that up and I share that this morning. I share that vision of aspirational hope and desire of many Christmases ago. 
Because in today's opening text from the book of Micah, the fifth chapter, we hear the prophet speak. We hear him speak on behalf of God, forthtelling, sharing a message on God's behalf. And Micah foresees, he envisioned, he speaks of a day when God is going to do something new for his people. He's going to do this new thing, and then this new thing that God is going to do, it's going to find its origins, it's going to find its beginnings, it's going to take place in the unlikeliest of places. It's going to happen in Bethlehem of Ephrata. Now some have argued that Ephrata is intended by the prophet to speak of this broader, wider region, a further, more specific detail so that we might know where this one who is to rule and to reign is going to be born. But rather, it's a more fuller descriptive part of this town's name. It gives us a better idea of this place where Jesus is to be born. You see, Bethlehem of Ephrata, it actually means house of bread. This is a town that has been fruitful over the years. It is small, but its influence has been mighty. It's been a place of sustenance, a place of provision, a place of warm embrace for many. Yet interestingly enough, that same name, which can be interpreted as house of bread and fruitful, can also mean barren. It can mean worthless. So alas, we find ourselves this morning dealing with the nuances of the Hebrew language where one word can mean two very different things. Yet Bethlehem is a little town. While fruitful, it was a minor town. It was a small place amid the larger biblical scheme and system of cities. Bethlehem was a backwoods kind of place. It was an out-of-way kind of place as the song captures It was a place where people would go to disappear. It was a place where you might go to hide if you were on the run. Yet it's precisely in this unremarkable little place, this place that many looked at and said, there is no significance here. It's precisely there. It's precisely there in this small, insignificant place that God is going to do the most remarkable thing that the world has ever seen and will ever see. It's precisely in this fruitful place, this place of bread that has been a place of sustenance and nurturing for so many people that God is going to provide again for the needs of His people and in fact for the needs of the entire world. And indeed, if we fast forward to Luke chapter 1, we find Mary headed off to the hill town. She's in the countryside of Judea. The young Mary who herself is with child, she is bearing the one and only child of God in her womb. She's headed to see her cousin Elizabeth. She's headed to see, now wait for it, a woman who was supposed to be barren. See the connection? This barren place. This place that many people wanted to write off and forget about. This place that many people overlooked. This is going to be the place where God is going to do something new. And now Mary is headed to see her cousin. A cousin who was supposedly barren. A woman that many believed and even Elizabeth herself thought to be well beyond childbearing years. Yet we find out she is going to be fruitful. 
that she who was once barren is now going to give birth to a child. And we later find out that he's none other than John the Baptist, the one who will prepare the way for the Lord. And Mary herself, a young teenage girl from a sleepy backwater town, a young girl who no one would have looked at and said, God is going to do something remarkable in her or through her. Young Mary, young Mary is bearing God himself. God is going to do in her and through her something that will provide spiritual nourishment and meet the hunger and thirst of those of the entire world. God will once again provide for the needs of his people. He will once again provide for the spiritual needs of all who call on the name of the Lord. But let's not skip ahead and rush things. We are in the season of Advent after all. A season of longing, a season of waiting, a season of expectation. A season in which we have been contemplating a return home. And today we're talking about the blessing of home And let us not forget that we serve a God who sustains us. A God who sustains us on that journey. A God who sustains us when we want to give up. A God who sustains us when we want to give in. A God who keeps us going when we want to throw in the towel. A God who, when we are weak, is found to be strong. In fact, Paul will confidently declare in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, that God's grace is sufficient for us. And God's power is is made perfect in our very weakness. Let us not fail to remember that the God whom we serve, the God that we worship this Advent season, is the very one who took this girl from a small backwater town. He took a place that many deemed as worthless. And He brings forth sustenance. He brings forth sustenance not only for His people, but for all who will call upon His name and ask for help. You see, where we see nothing, God sees possibility. Where we are a people without hope, God says here, let me give hope to you. Where we see impossibility, God says nothing is impossible for me. And truly, may we not forget that the God that we've gathered here to worship today is the God for whom nothing is impossible. Supposed barrenness, it's not an obstacle to God. The aging Elizabeth knows this. She knows this as the baby inside her womb leaps for joy when Mary comes to town. Mary. Elizabeth's much younger cousin, she too knows that nothing is impossible with God because she is bearing a child miraculously, a virgin birth. As one commentator notes, do we sometimes give up too soon? I think the answer is most assuredly yes. Do we sometimes give in to despair too soon in our lives? Do we feel inadequate, insignificant? Are we unable to wait for blessing, for fruitfulness? Oh, and you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, one of the little clans, one of the out-of-nothing places, the place where the bypass passes by and the vibrancy wanes and the lights dim, 
And you, O little person of your place, who feels as if life has passed you by, who feels as if no one knows or even cares, from you shall come. From you shall come what? Something. Something absolutely beautiful. Something utterly exceptional that only God can do. Friends, this Advent season, we've heard it again and again. We've heard this call to come home. This invitation to come home to God, to return to His love. We serve a God who's not only invited us to come home, but a God who has overcome and who has removed the obstacles that stand in the way, most notably our sin. He's done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Amen? He's done for us what we could not do. And in His love, we find home. In His love, we find the opportunity to experience peace, hope, faith, and joy. It is so often we do, we, uh, we make excuses. We despair because we feel inadequate. We feel insignificant. We feel like we're not up to the task. We feel too unworthy to accept God's love. Maybe we feel like we've done too many bad things, thought too many evil thoughts, said too many nasty things, have hurt too many people along the way. We feel undeserving of such love. We feel like we deserve to be stuffed and stuck in some out-of-the-way place, in some backwards town to be forgotten about, to be abandoned, to be alone. But again, we hear God's voice say, come home. Come experience the blessing of home. Come experience my love. Come experience the life and life to the full that I have for you. Friends, the prophets have declared it again and again over these last few weeks, and the gospel writers have agreed. The only way to come home, the only way to experience the love, the joy, the peace, the hope, and the salvation that we desire and that God desires to give to us the only way for that to happen is for us to be and to walk in relationship with the God of the universe. To be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And friends, as the prophets have testified, as the gospel writers have declared, Jesus is that one that the ancients longed for and anticipated. He is the one that the prophets spoke of. Jesus is the one who was born in miraculous fashion, fulfilling the prophecies of long, long ago. Jesus is the one who both reveals God and makes God known to the world, and at the same time makes it possible for us to walk in relationship with Him. So this morning I ask you again, will you come home this Christmas? Will you experience the love, joy, the peace, the hope that God desires you to have. The only way for you to do that, the only way for that to happen, the only way that you can experience those, experience those things is by walking in relationship with God through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you accept that gift today? Will you allow God to take your life Will you allow him to take your life 
and do with it what he will. No one else can answer that but you. But whatever you feel might be impossible, whatever obstacles you may feel exist keep you from God, he says, come home. He'll take care of those things. He'll bind up the brokenness and make you whole. Where you are weak, he will be strong. He's already cared for the sin problem. He has reconciled us to God by his broken body and shed blood. So as we await his second coming, will you return home? To God be the glory in his church and in our lives, both now and forever. Amen. Please join with me in prayer this morning.